Hello, this is Michael Canfield, and thank you for joining us today on The Dog Watch, where we consider dogs, watches, life in the field, and go wherever curiosity takes us. On today's episode, we talk with Brandon Doherty from Signal Coffee Roasters on Alameda Island in Oakland, California. In our conversation, Brandon helps us understand how beans are chosen, the overall process of roasting, and how recent advances in analytics help you get your favorite beans the same way each time. We also discuss new varietals of beans that are out there that Brendan is looking forward to sampling. Before we get into our conversation, please visit the Dog Watch website, which you can find at onthedogwatch.com. On our Dogs tab, we have an Instagram hashtag feed. And if you hashtag your photo of your dog, hashtag on the dog watch we'll be able to see different members of our big community of dogs on the hashtag feed this week we have a half a poo aka have a doodle or poovenese named luna which is a cross between a havanese and a poodle although many people may first think of poodles as carefully groomed show dogs and family dogs the breed is one of the oldest european working dogs derived from french water dogs which can be traced back to the Middle Ages. The Havanese is a distant relative of water dogs as well, and is generally white, but was brought by settlers to Cuba, where it became the national dog. The outcome is a highly trainable, relatively hypoallergenic, agile, energetic, and lovable dog with an outsized personality. So thanks for joining us, Luna. And now let's get down to our conversation with Brendan. My guest today is Brendan Doherty of Signal Coffee Roasters, an independent coffee roaster and cafe on Alameda Island in Oakland, California, where they believe in coffee that is delicious, easy to love, satisfying, and uncompromising. Brendan, welcome to the Dog Watch. Thank you, Michael. So so happy to be here and great to talk to you. Thanks. And um, so what's it like where you are now? I'm in Alameda right now. Um, We're kind of dodging fires a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's far away, but um, the smoke is here. Um, But the weather is is really fantastic. You know, uh, in the Bay, the the weather kind of fakes you out the whole time into thinking that summer is going to occur, and it kind of never does. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but but I'm happy to be uh, I'm happy to be talking to you today. How, How how is everything where you are? Just fine. I, I'm in Minnesota and, you know, this is the time to live in Minnesota, right? In late right. August where it's not quite so hot. It was 57 this morning when I was walking uh, Lily and Pepper. Um, so Beautiful. it was awesome. Um, Beautiful. So as a starting point, I, I'm kind of wondering how you got into roasting coffee. I, I would doubt that when the other kids in grade school were like, oh, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a police officer. <laughs> you were like, I want to be a coffee roaster. So I'm curious, how did you get there? Well, um, when I was a kid, my dad used to bake bread and, um, I loved how really different the uh, different and special and satisfying the, the anticipation, uh, and the smell. And then, you know, just having hot steaming bread come out of the oven was, um, I worked in cafes, uh, and bakeries in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I'm from. Um, it was a bagel and and bread cafe, a lot like tartine or a lot like many uh, long uh, rise bakeries that you know emphasize sourdough. Are uh, a lot of a lot of you know cities and even small towns have them. 
Um, and it was there that I got introduced to really and really kind of fell in love with coffee. And I think coffee has this connective quality. It it really brings people together. It's a ritual. starts starts mornings. I started roasting coffee. There's there, there's a real barrier there too. It's complex. Requires special equipment. Um, and you know to get it at scale requires a massive investment. And so I I explored coffee, sought origins, really loved coffee, but but had a had a bridge I needed to get over to in order to get even deeper into into the roasting. And fortunately, machines have come a long way and small scale machines have come a long way. And I'm fortunate to be in the Bay Area where there are importers and uh, one of the home suppliers of uh, suppliers of home based uh, small scale coffee roasting is here. It's a place called Sweet Maria's. And they encourage people to roast their own coffee with popcorn poppers and really whatever is available um, just to tinker and to to explore. I'm a bit of a tinkerer and I'm a bit of an explorer and I love to, you know, kind of kind of get into things and see what's happening. And I'm also somebody who's who's a um, who who brings to a thing experience from other things. So, uh, kind of taking the idea of hybrid vigor and bringing bread baking or other experience into this is something that I've, that I have always, have always enjoyed. Um, so that, that gives you a little bit of a, of an entree. I took a few classes. There are, uh, collaborative roasting spaces here with those large scale machines after roasting on my deck for for weeks and months and just uh, really just loving the whole process and uh, there were some very very generous kind uh, thoughtful experienced people who you know pulled me aside and were like you really you shouldn't be taking classes you should be you should you should really be doing this cool. um, and so that provided the transformative leap um, for me and some confidence for me uh, in my apprenticeship to 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 really kind of take next steps that really put us right at the right at the front of the pandemic i started to roast and share coffee with people we packaged it up and then suddenly everyone was drinking coffee at home a lot <laughs> and people really I think want to connect with, with something that is probably like genomics. I, I worked in biotech for a lot of my career, biotech and healthcare for a lot of my career. Mm. And it's so complex and so challenging and, you know, just, just a simple Ethiopian natural cup of coffee. Where does it come from and what are the processing? How's it roasted? I mean, it, it it's, it's really, it's really its own, it's its own universe. And so, if, but, but if people can connect to somebody who can help them navigate that, I think that that connection becomes strong. Great. And I'd like to get into how it works and, and, you know, what the roasting process is like. But first, what's Signal about? Like, where did you get the idea and the name of the roasting company? Part of what I did when I was working at these cafes in um, in Albuquerque, I was a musician and played drums and guitars and for, for bands and toured and did all that kind of thing. And then when I, um, I, I so I've always loved stereos and um, so over the last, I'm in my fifties, so this, this dates me a bit, but, um, when, um, when I stopped wanting to stay up late and go to clubs and drag my stuff around, I, I started to spend time teaching myself electronics as, as somebody who's interested in, 
uh, how things work, um, I, I really dove headlong into uh, vacuum tube stereo technology and um, electronics for really guitar amplifiers and stuff like that. And so I, as a hobbyist, sort of poked around and built stuff that I was pleased with and helped friends uh, fix their fix their gear. When it came time to come up with a, a name for the coffee company, everyone has birds. Or there's a lot of dogs. There's a lot of uh, um, map locations. Um, but what I had thought of was something that could be metaphorically applied um, to show that that kind of seed to cup experience, and it struck me that that um, that radio technology or signal technology or electronics had a really nice metaphorical map to how things how things work in coffee. Yeah. Here's where it starts. Here's what the role of um, repeaters are, and here's 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 what my role as a as a roaster is, and. You know, we're we're kind of tuning in to something that's happening far away, and there's this whole f- chain of things yeah. that um, that are connected, very much like an electronic signal. And so um, that that is where we jumped in with that. Great. Well, I'm I'm riding the wave of the Ohm roast right now. O H M. That is for those who haven't tried it. Um, so it's it's a fun it's a it's a fun metaphor, as you say. Uh, maybe um, be helpful. For those of us who haven't been in a roasting facility and and in your roasting facility, to, to have you sort of briefly just describe, like when you walk into where you roast beans, what's it like? And, you know, I was thinking about this before we talked, and um, you know, is it over? Is the smell overwhelming? What's it like? It is. Um, so beans go through a couple of. It's a it's an industrial facility, clean, um, but not pretty. Um, forklifts and um, burlap bags filled mm-hmm. with uh, green coffee, and green coffee smells like grass or pungent fruit, uh, depending on its sourcing or or you know tobacco kind of. the The roasters that are in there are usually working uh, full time. These are large large machines, the size of you know, the size of, um, of semi trucks. And, um, the work is, uh, portioning, you know, portioning the beans, popping them in the hopper. And it's, it, it, the, the beans go through a process of, of, um, removing water from them and then a Maillard reaction. And then there's, uh, the final step, which is kind of a roasting development. And through that, it goes from that grassy smell to the smell of baking bread, to the smell of what that we would more um, r- more readily recognize as as roasted coffee. Our facility has um, has a cast iron uh, German roasting machine, a Probat, which is which is uh, kind of uh, the standard. Um, it has some other machines, um, and we we roast through that through and portion it up immediately into vacuum sealed uh, biodegradable bags and it's um it's this crazy ballet of kind of heat and portion and uh and 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 things that go out the door i I often think of it as um in that in that moment where the the witch of oz sends out her flying monkeys and out to the world they're going out to do all this stuff (laughs) or babies you know babies babies is good too so in 
you, you get these big bags, right? Like what, 50 pound bags of green or large burlap bags of green coffee beans, right? And then you yeah. pour them into this giant roasting semi truck thing. Yeah, they're 60 kilo bags. Okay. And um, I usually roast, uh, it, I'm a, considered a small scale roaster. I'm usually, a single roast is about 20, 22 pounds of green coffee at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's a rotating cast iron um, drum in there. And um, gas uh, is is there and we're I'm only controlling um the amount of gas that that uh, is applied to the drum as it turns around. Analyt analytics here have played a huge role in the last 15 years of um coffee roasting. Mm -hmm. Uh and so there are a variety of probes uh, that are placed throughout the drum to tell the bean temperature and the exit exhaust temperature. Uh, we only, with only one control of how much uh, heat is being applied or removed uh, as it goes through the the process. That the those probes are hooked up to analytics uh, in a system called Cropster. Um, there are several other systems, but they they really map out the rate of rise of heat retention for the beans. Um, and so if you've sensed that your coffee has transformed in the last 10 or 15 years, you would be right. Mm. Um, people have a better understanding of how to make that process much more repeatable. Um, it's no longer a black box. And then in order to make it repeatable, um, you're able to, you're able to immediately take coffees out. And if your roast curve is, um, has anomalies in it, um, then you can see if it has any impact on the flavor. And so a lot of predictive analytics have been applied to this, to this field. Um, I still use kind of an older machine. There are some that are a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, drilled in and automated. So larger scale, larger scale companies that are, that are roasting at much, much, much bigger volumes have, um, have other machines, fluid bed technology machines and that. Right. Um, but, it, but it's interesting that the, that the predictive analytics have allowed for a much closer understanding of what's happening inside the machine. And then, you know, you, you have much greater control of what's happening in the cup. Wow, I had no idea that my beans were so carefully monitored in their in their roasting. Like that's pretty intense. So in that process, so you roast them, et cetera, and then bag them up. H how do you determine which beans you're going to select? Get samples sent to you. Um, yeah, how, yeah. How do you sort uh, of look for new beans? How does that work? Sure. Well, I do, I do get samples that are sent in advance of any container ships. So um, I love. I love natural processed coffees, which are um, which tend to have softer fruit flavors, are a little creamier when they're roasted at medium. That's just uh, the other the other type of process for beans are washed coffees, which tend to have a little bit more of a floral quality or a, a sharp flavor. Tried a bunch of origins, and of course, it's an agricultural product which changes from farm to farm, from year to year. I have several sources, and we're lucky in Oakland; it's a port, so every um, all of the world's coffee can be available here. the The brokers and and farms send us samples, um, and really, my my job is to is to roast these samples blind and um, pick coffees that come that that jump out of the cup. I tend to focus on um Guatemala, uh Brazil, Ethiopia, 
and Indonesia as mm. as the um, as as the the best. These are traditional traditional places for coffee, and 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 there's a good reason why Ethiopia is the the birthplace of coffee, and um, their their diversity and um, the expression of of flavor and the wild the wild quality of them makes them makes them just just an excellent choice. Um, Brazilian coffees uh, grown at a different altitude have have other have other qualities. The Ohm that you were drinking this morning probably had a, a really a sweet finish, and uh, at times it can have a grape complexity or kind mm-hmm. of a smell like peanut butter nuttiness. Yeah. That um, that is a real that is a real you know real experience. Choosing them and sampling them is 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 really a a focus of effort. Um, probably next for me is is getting more direct relationships with. Um, with farmers. So when you get, say, a, a sample of green beans, right, of a new thing comes mm-hmm. off the boat, do you roast it one way or is part of the process of being a roaster subdividing it and saying, I'm going to try this at what, you know, with this roasting strategy and the, with this and see what it can do? Or is it mostly well, like, I just have to see what's in these beans? You try, I try to roast them all in the same way. I mean, you want to kind of hold hold the parameters still as possible in order to in order to understand what is variable. I roast them on a on what's called a sample roaster. You roast them for a very specific amount of time. You pull them out, you cup them with a with a very specific amount of water for a certain amount of of weight in a cupping ceremony. It has its very it's not exactly a ceremony, but it's but it, but cupping has its own um has its own kind of logic and and regiment rules around it for for good reason because you're really wanting to Wanting to blind blindly score out what what it is that um, that you're about to make a bet on mm. um, from an economic standpoint, um, and then you place an order. Uh, the um, you know you, we'll, we'll go through ten or so, or we come up with one that we think we um, we feel good about, and over time we start to develop those relationships where where people are. Our, our farms, the Ohm in particular, uh, comes from a from a specific place. It's been reasonably consistent over time. Uh, but you, but my goal as a roaster is to try and find great coffees, uh, try and have some predictive value about how the market is going to uh, purchase it, and then try and secure a supply for it. Um, so then we kind of kind of get into a logistical area. Mm-hmm. But um, but in terms of of um, of sampling and trying to find those coffees, Ethiopian coffee is about to be shipped in containers here. And so um, we're looking at ahead at different Ethiopian naturals. And I, I, I have, I have probably 30 different coffees on, on my desk that I'm going to need to run through, um, run through the sampler. I guess that kind of leads me to another question about the role of the, of the roaster. That, mm-hmm. I mean, if you sent me some green beans and, and I had a little home popcorn maker um, that I could roast, even if they're the best beans in the world, right, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily make good coffee out of them, right? So you have to start with really good bean. But what's the, what's the role of the roaster, right? What makes a roaster great? What makes a roaster be able to make those beans into something really good? In some ways, it's my job to kind of get out of the way whatever the 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 plant and the terroir is in the dirt and the environment puts into the bean itself um and the the farmer and the processor and 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 everything uh, my job is to kind of 
my job is to kind of remove the things to, to make it, to make it drinkable. Um, that's one part of it. The other part of it is consistency. I mean, I think people really look to there. I, I think there are two types of coffee drinkers. There are wild explorers and then there are people who just want to, who just want this one thing every single time. Um, and they, they, you know, they come to, they come to that flavor moment and they really just want to have that it every time that way. Um, so, and, and it's a real challenge with roasting coffee. You're removing water from a, from an agricultural product. And over time, there are variables there that, you know, it expires out its water. So over time, the water uh, percentage inside the bean is, is, is decreasing their environmental factors when you're running a, running a cast iron gas fired, you know, just temperature differences. Um, and so, uh, consistency is, is really the, the, the devil there. It's actually quite hard to consistently take the same bean from month to month, back to bag, uh, year to year, uh, to, to the correct exit temperature point, development percentage point, um, slope of rate of rise, every time. Uh, so it's one of the reasons why automation is, is, is having some, uh, entrance into this, into this, uh, into this field, just, just for consistency sake. But as a role of the roaster, my, my job is really to, to kind of reveal what is, what's really pleasurable about this particular, this particular, um, bean and, uh, to try and deliver that with as much clarity as possible. Right. Well, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's an absolute coffee nut um, <laughs> the other day about Signal and said I was going to speak with you. And he texted me shortly after our conversation and said, oh, my gosh, my Signal's clearly the Sumatra. That's my oh, bean. Yeah. And I just ordered two bags of it. And I'm going to tell you, you know, what the direct grind pour over results are. And he was totally <laughs> psyched. So, you know, especially the coffee aficionados and nutballs out there. Uh-huh. Have very strong preferences or thoughts about what's good. I'm curious. You know, you have a, a nice range of beans. Are there a couple that you're pretty proud of? I love Ethiopian natural process coffees, and I have a rotating Ethiopian natural process that I call Wavelength. Um, it's branded that way. But every every month or so, we switch these up. Um, so one will. One will, they typically have stone fruit or strawberry or blueberry, uh, kind of flavors to them. And because of the nature and the variety of those, it would be like trying to, trying to say which kid I love the most of the many (laughs) children, right? Um, which one is, which one do I love the most? I, I, I really, I do love them all. Um, I have another rotating roaster's choice called transmission. Uh, it typically tends to be Guatemalan coffees, which are very chocolatey, very different than, than the Ethiopian natural processes. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's an eye opener for people who put a lot of put a lot of sugar or milks into their coffee to have black coffee that is sweet and smooth and as as really satisfying and luscious as a as a slightly fruited chocolate bar. Um, that's really what that is intended to be. Ohm is a really great sweet and smooth uh, natural process uh, Brazilian that that just has a really comforting quality to it. It's not challenging. It doesn't have any odd 
bitter flavors or or a grapefruit or lime or any of the kind of heavy citrus that other coffees can have. And then uh, Sumatrans, which are hard beans and a little bit more uh, water uh, quality, we call it our analog. I, I roast those. I roast that to almost French roast. Um, and it tends to have a lot of darker flavor tones. So molasses, um, mineral, cedar, dark cacao, high cacao, chocolate bar. Mm. Um, and it really, you know, for, for me, somebody who's interested in, in learning and, uh, seeing this uh, process all the way through, just, just, just to, to hold a few, uh, origins, uh, constant and to see the, there's just the insane level of variety and then the insane level of, um, of options for how coffee comes out and, and, and really science into it too, how those sucrose and cellulose inside the bean get modulated into caramelized sugars. Uh, this is, this is, this is what the process is that I'm trying to control. And it's fascinating how it, how you can really, you can really tell what happened inside the roaster. You can tell what's happening inside the farm. If you love coffee, it's one of the best ways to dive into that um, I, th- I think of it as a glass bottom boat. It's one thing to be in, in the boat, you know, <laughs> love the boat, um, love to go places. But, um, but, but for me, you know, I can see all the, all the weird and wild stuff under the water and, and it's endlessly fascinating. It really is. That's fantastic. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, but I, I have two, two short questions for you to, to sort of finish things up. The first one is you have the coffee roasting facility, and then I know you're starting a, a, ca- a cafe on Alameda Island. I've been kind of watching the development, and know on the wall there's some awesome art of you know different ways of preparing coffee, different implements. And I'm curious how you prepare your coffee, like what your uh, mode is. Like, is it a French press, pour over? Do you like drink out of a demi tasse while you're walking the dog like what's your what's the description of, i don't know do you have a dog like just uh, yeah we we do have a dog we have a, a miniature dachshund named lola and she is she's she's getting on in years uh dachshunds lived for a long time and she's entered into a very sweet phase where um where she doesn't She's dogs, dachshund owners know that they are, they are big, big barkers. Um, and she's, uh, she's, she's comfortably, comfortably getting on in years. Mm -hmm. Um, little walks with little legs mostly and, and, and little barks where it used to be big, big of all of those things. Our, um, our cafe. Yeah. We, um, we've been very fortunate in that the pandemic has opened up opportunities and, uh, this is one that 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 came to us and um we've been we've been really fortunate we have a community of art i have a community of artists and friends who have who have wanted to collaborate and contribute their their work to to this um to this enterprise it's been really gratifying to bring others in to the branding art uh printing t-shirt this whole machine of stuff um to answer your question we, um, I, I have, uh, a technivorm, which is, a, uh, it's a mocha master, which is, a um, a kind of an automated pour over, um, that is, it's a drip machine and, um, it's made in Holland and they have 
they've they've had a similar design since 1968 and um it there's a lot of other machines that are less expensive and perhaps a little bit um easier to 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 manage but this this one has uh, they are built like tanks and they last for you know 20 30 years and mm. um it reliably produces a beautiful cup of coffee in 6 minutes and um i i i do make a lot of espresso but my my deep love is um is just great, great drip. Um, mm. And so um, it, pour over is kind of, I'm, I'm an, I'm somewhat of an impatient person. Um, pour over is a bit fiddly and requires that much focus and attention. And I don't think I'm, I don't think my soul is Japanese. Um, if my soul was <laughs> Japanese, I would, I would love the, you know, the intense um, being present, not to stereotype, but the, 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 the cultural quality of, being uh, present to the ceremony of it and um, uh, the all of the all of the pieces leading up to it um, is is really kind of why I think pour over is is kind of matches up with that. Um, I'm I tend to be more I, I guess a, a Italian or American in my sense that I just I'm, I'm really on the run um, and, and <laughs> I drink a tremendous amount of coffee and so. Um, I, I, I tend not to have a lot of patience for it. Right. Um, I've been going to, into more cold brew, um, which is uh, something that that um, the, a process that I'll, I'll share a recipe with you uh, oh, for for cold brew. It's it's actually really simple for people who have difficulty with, um, and I don't, but but for, but for people who have difficulty with um, acidity or um, or just um, want. A, a fuller body a cup of coffee it's actually it's actually a really simple thing to do cool i'm wondering a little bit about um anything that you feel is like on the horizon do you have beans that you just can't wait to get a hold of is there anything exciting in the works as far as like beans or you know anything you can tease here for the you know this is interesting that you brought up genetics and i'll tell you um genetics says it's been applied and we i'm saving the last i'm saving the last bit i'm burying the lead as uh (laughs) journalists like to talk about so there is uh, a great deal of excitement in the coffee world as genetics get applied to uh, Arabica, which is one uh, family of coffee in the coffee tree. There's Arabica, Robusta. There's some other ones. Robusta has is your truck stop instant coffee with high caffeine content and terrible flavor. They taste like um, a, a tire fire. Um, the um, the uh, geneticists have come in to try and differentiate different um, subspecies. So there's Bourbon is one. Um, Gesha is another. Um, as geneticists begin to uh, drill into different speciated varieties of uh, coffee Arabica, there have been two or three that have come into, and I don't know that I'll ever get to taste this. There are two or three that have come into the coffee world uh, as legitimate differentiated varietals. Um, and they command an insane price. Um, so one over the last five years, I think it was, is, is, is a variety called Gesha and, uh, it tastes a bit like white jasmine and has a, has a really distinct floral and sweet quality. If you're making a pour over it, it, it just is, is like an operatic voice of coffee. Um, the, there's another that was, 
um, recently identified in the past year, which is uh, Arabica Yemeni. And uh, there's uh, a great deal of effort being placed towards uh, trying to find hardy varieties that can handle uh, climate change. And so scientists have gone into Yemen where they do a lot of dry dry farming and have uh, determined through genetics that there are a few separate species in Yemen. And so uh, coffee Arabica Yemeni uh, is one that has been identified and most recently and in coffee lot auctions, um, these coffees uh, set record prices for green coffee. Green coffee, typically, the, there's the sea market in the world, and that's typically somewhere between a dollar and two dollars a pound for green coffee. This coffee in in green coffee is, you know, well north of of a hundred to two hundred dollars a pound. So um, it's <laughs> well, it's I, not for me. But. I hope that you know one day you get some or if I become incredibly successful in some form, I'll send you some, but, um, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I would be concerned that I would fall in love with it and it yeah. would make all of the rest of it so drab. I couldn't enjoy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brendan, thank you so much for uh, sharing such a wealth of knowledge on coffee and coffee roasting. And I'm wondering just to, to close, how people get the signal. My brother, does he have to take his shortwave radio down in his basement yeah. <laughs> and tune it up to get the signal? How, how do we find yeah, that? that uh, you, can, you can go to signalcoffee.com and um, if you, uh, it, 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 there's an email box there. It says send a signal. If you want to send me an email, if you're a listener of, of, of this podcast, I'll be happy to send you a sample. You can click an order there too. Um, but, um, but I'm more than happy to more than happy to, to share and demonstrate with, with friends of yours. So thank you. Well, thanks again for being on the dog watch and best of luck with the new cafe and, and all the coffee roasting. Thanks Mike. I hope we can sit down and have a cup of coffee soon. Thanks again to Brendan Doherty of Signal Coffee Roasters for sharing his wit, knowledge, and wisdom. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast, send it to a few friends, to their friends, and maybe even share it randomly with someone you meet at the cafe or dog park. And use the hashtag OnTheDogWatch on Instagram to post a photo of your dog, and it may be featured in a future episode. Our music credit today is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLoy, courtesy of Creative Commons. For now, this is Michael Canfield, and I look forward to the next time we are together on the dog walk.